Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Plant Powered People podcast with your hosts, Michelle Kane and Tony Okamoto. Today, we're going to be talking about being more eco. In fact, we're going to be talking about 10 ways to be more eco. This is something that we are both very passionate about and have become increasingly aware of, especially over the recent years. It's kind of an exciting time in the world because zero waste is trending, minimalism's trending, just being more thoughtful about single-use plastic, getting rid of water bottles, getting rid of plastic straws with the internet and people caring about the world. These things are coming to the surface of people's attention now, which is really, really exciting. But as we've both learned, as we've dug into these things a bit more and been integrating them into our life and our everyday practices, we've found that there's a lot of things that maybe don't get talked about so much and are really simple swaps a lot of the time that we can do in our lives to be more eco-friendly in our own lives on a daily basis. So we wanted to go through those today, 10 of our top ways to be more eco. Michelle, what's your number one? Well, before we dive in, I just want to talk a little bit about some of the issues and reasons to care. (laughs) Just in case you're not aware, we're not going to dive too, too deep into this. But some of the things that are impacted by our daily choices, obviously landfills, like that's an obvious one for throwing away a tons of garbage, single use plastic that's going to just live on forever in landfills. That's a problem. Things that can contribute to air pollution land pollution, water pollution in our oceans and rivers and lakes, ocean dead zones. If you don't know about that, I highly recommend Googling it, doing some research. Huge, scary issue. Species extinction, deforestation of our rainforests and forests, awful habitat destruction, global warming, of course, an issue that we're starting to see create huge problems already and more. These issues can seem really big and overwhelming and like a single one of us can't make an impact on any one of those things, but that's absolutely not true. We are all either contributing to or helping to reduce these issues in our own personal lives in pretty big, significant ways. So we're going to talk about some things we can do to help combat these global issues. And the first thing that I want to talk about is eating lower on the food chain. This is something that a lot of people don't think about. And actually, Tony and I were talking about this before. Because Tony was like, "Mm, I'm not really sure I I understand the the full impact. And it's true. You really kind of have to think about the whole life process of how food gets to your plate to understand it. But basically, when you're eating higher on the food chain, which means eating animals that eat produce or eating animals that eat animals that eat produce or eating animals that eat animals that eat animals that eat produce, the higher up you go, the more resources, energy, waste is going in to each bite of food that you consume. So if you're going to eat a plant-based meal that is made from produce, of course, there's energy and waste that goes into that. The food has to be grown. You have to use the soil. You have to use water to grow that food. There's the farmers that are growing it and picking it, transporting it, then sometimes packaging it, bring it to the grocery store, you buy it and you eat it. So there's a lot of a lot of energy and resources that go into even just bringing a, you know, an apple to your home. But when you think about the next level, if you're eating an animal that eating an animal, they're higher up on the food chain. So not only are you going to have to consider the resources that go into processing that animal, 
transporting it, packaging it, and bringing it to your doorstep, but also that that whole life of the animal, that animal's eating food. So it's eating maybe soy or grains or whatever. And, and each meal that that animal's eating had to be grown, watered, processed, transported to the animal. And same thing, the animal's drinking every single day, usually massive, massive amounts of water if we're talking about cows or anything like that. So just each level up you go on the food chain that you're eating is a huge, huge amount more waste. So a lot of people think about reducing their time in the shower, take shorter showers or like make sure you turn the water off when you're brushing your teeth. And you should do that. Like, why not? That's a great way to kind of conserve some water. But if you really want to cut down on your water usage, eat lower on the food chain. Same thing if you're trying to prevent food waste. That's a great thing to be doing. But if you really want to prevent food waste and create a more sustainable world where we can feed everyone on our our growing population planet, a great way to do that is eating lower on the food chain. So all those soy crops and other crops that are going to feed animals that then you eat instead can go directly to feed people and we can feed vastly more people. We can easily feed everyone on the planet if we're eating direct plants. I get that. That's the part that I was getting. But I think because when you were laying out all of the different ways it is more eco-conscious to eat lower on the food chain, the part that I was confused with was the transportation because the transportation and the packaging happens also when you're purchasing produce. And so can you share a little bit about that? Because that was helpful to me. Yeah. So when you're thinking about transportation, which is a big thing, a lot of people are trying to buy Priuses or drive more conscious cars because we're trying to limit our contribution to greenhouse gases leading to global warming. So that's why transportation matters. And then when you're talking about your food, yeah. So any food that's getting to your plate, again, the produce is grown. Uh, Lettuce is grown, it's picked up by farmers, it's being driven then to wherever the processing plant or directly to a supermarket, wherever it's going. And then eventually you pick it up and drive it to your doorstep usually. And so that's like a a little bit of transportation involved. But when you talk about animals, not only is the transportation happening from where the animals are on the feedlot to the processing plant. Or the food first that they eat. So the food that's transported to them. So their whole life, they're eating food. They're eating they're eating grains, soy, whatever. And that's all transported. Oftentimes the soy is grown in the rainforest. The rainforests are being torn down in order to grow soy crops to feed animals, to feed humans. And so all of that is being transported truckload by truckload by truckload to get to these animals to eat, to grow them, and then for us to eat it. So it's it's just a vastly larger amount of transportation involved when you're talking about eating meat or dairy rather than eating the plants themselves. But good news is you are already interested in plant-based eating by listening to this podcast. And so good for you <laughs> Yeah, for making a conscious effort to not be part of this awful cycle. It is really cool that just swapping something that's on your plate can make such a huge, vast difference in terms of the resources that you're using as an individual. So that's really exciting. And and it's also cool because like I didn't go vegan in order to help the environment. (laughs) I mean, I wish I could say that was my reason, but it it wasn't. It was to help animals. And I I also love being healthy and that, that I just by default end up being more sustainable and way more environmentally friendly too is such a cool cool bonus. 
So this is a little bit of, in my opinion, it's, these are easy, easy swaps. Reducing single-use plastic packaging waste, is, especially speak in the kitchen, has made me feel so good. And this means I don't buy plastic baggies anymore. I try to put things into Tupperware. I also bought reusable, resealable bags. Usually made from silicone or something like that. Yep. Yep. And that makes me feel really good. I don't buy plastic wrap. I also don't use water bottles. Before I would go to Costco or Walmart and buy water bottles. So I'd always have cold water in my early 20s. And I have eliminated my use of plastic water bottles and have just purchased like a nice insulated water bottle that not only saves me money, even though water and plastic bottles is cheap, I'm no longer buying them every month. So it has definitely saved me some money. I also shop in bulk. I very rarely buy bags of rice or flour or anything like that. And I buy in bulk and uh, keep them in either mason jars or those glass containers. And I know I talk about this every episode, but I use those ingredients more because I have an Instant Pot and it makes it just much easier process to cook, uh, to set it and forget it. And it also helps me eat healthier. A lot of the packaged foods are convenient, yes, but not as healthy as eating whole foods, which you buy in bulk. Yeah. Reducing single-use plastic packaging waste, well, it's both easy and hard, but mostly it's about building habits. So a lot, if you have a habit of buying plastic water bottles, you're just going to keep doing that and not really think about it. Or if you decide to stop, it might be a little bit hard at first because you're you're just used to that habit. But retraining your habits, can you imagine how much water we drink as human beings and how many plastic water bottles you're creating as just single-use waste throughout your lifetime? It's it's enormous, Um, you know, just switching to getting it through a filtration system in the refrigerator is saving so much waste. And also, it doesn't have to all be at one time. It can be this gradual change in your kitchen. Start with, say, water bottles. That's that's a kind of easy one. And from there, make swaps so that it doesn't feel so overwhelming. Yep, totally. And straws, if you are using straws or straws when you go out, uh, that's a simple one and very trendy one. Generally, it's like one of those things that is pretty shameful at this point. If you're using straws, people will call you out on the internet if you post a picture with straws. So just invest in a glass straw, bamboo straw, stainless steel straw, and and a little pipe cleaner so that you can clean them out. Also, you, you don't need a straw. I thought that I needed a straw. I would go to restaurants and enjoy straw. I would buy, I would go to Ikea and get these really big 500 packs of straws. And turns out I don't need them. I can just drink it with my mouth. Totally. 100%. Cool. So yeah, build those habits and give yourself like a grace. Don't be too hard on yourself, but just try and be conscious of where you see Like look at your garbage can in your kitchen and when you're taking garbage out to the garbage dump (laughs) or the big garbage can that you have by your house or your home or apartment and just look in it and sort of do an inventory of where most of your waste is coming from and think, is there a way I could do a swap to reduce this? 
just being a little bit more conscious can make a big, a big difference. And that's something that for me, it has taken years of evolution and I still am very imperfect. There's a lot I want to change. I want to shop more in bulk and all of that, which is very hard to do right now during (laughs) pandemic, but uh, hopefully we'll get easier in the future. But don't be discouraged. You can still buy at a lot of stores that have bulk by, gosh, what are those? They're the kinds that you take a, a scoop and you put it in your bag and those are unavailable, but the kind that are stand up and you just pull the lever down. I've seen those at Whole Foods, at Winco, at Sprouts that are still available. But do they let you bring your own bags? Yes. Here in Sacramento, they lifted the bag ban last week. So yes, you can. But if you can't, then you can just still buy a lot more and use less plastic. So at all those stores, they have a large bag and you can fill that up and not use as much plastic. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so number one, eat lower on the food chain. Number two, reduce your single-use plastic packaging waste. Number three, shop in bulk. Just to talk a little bit more about shopping in bulk is also a great way to save money and a great way to inspire you to cook more at home, which is going to be another one of our tips. Anything else on shopping in bulk, Tony? Also, we have a lot of resources for you. Our plant-based on a budget meal plans teach you how to eat based on ingredients that are we encourage you to buy in bulk. And I also did a video where I shopped at Whole Foods and I compared the prices of, of all different things, rice, beans, lentils, oats. And I showed the prices of them in their packaged form and the prices of them in their bulk bin form. And you save about twice, you can get as about twice as much food for the same amount, for the same cost um, when you're buying in bulk. So, And sometimes like 4%, wasn't your oat? Yeah. Oats are crazy. So if you buy oats in bulk, they're whatever, 19 cents a pound or whatever they are. And then if you buy them in like one of those big paper containers, like those round tubes, the big ones, then it doubles in price or whatever. And then if you buy those little boxes where they have the individual packets of oats, it like doubles again. And then if you buy those cups of oats, they'll be like a single serving cup oatmeal that you can like just add water. The price of those oats for the actual amount of oats given is like crazy. It's like tenfold more expensive than if you just bought oats from bulk. It's nuts. So yeah, if you care about being budget conscious and reducing packaging waste in that case too, buying in bulk is a great option. I think you covered them all, Michelle. That's good. Next, we wanted to talk about another like really simple swap in the kitchen for reducing one type of packaging, which is vegetable broth, which is something that Tony and I use all the time. We love soup. If you listen to this podcast, often you know. (laughs) I was going to say, if you use our recipes, you could definitely be eco-conscious. This could be a real change in your kitchen because we use broth so often. Yes. Okay. So if you are buying broth in containers from the store, liquid broth, stop, stop friends. I used to do this too, but not only is it a huge pain to carry them from the grocery store and have to find room in your cupboard, but if you just swap to bouillon, which is basically dehydrated broth or condensed little cubes or little jars of condensed broth with no liquid, and you mix those with water, you add them in with water into any of your soup recipes or uh, all sorts of recipes, it gets the same exact result. And you didn't have to have all the packaging that's 
required just because the water is already added in the store. It's so silly. It's such a simple thing that we can do is just swap from buying those vegetable broth containers to instead buying bouillon cubes or something like better than bouillon, which comes in little glass jars. The other thing to note is those aseptic containers that soup broth usually comes in and also sometimes um, plant-based milks, anything that that are shelf-stable, those are not recyclable. So those go directly into the trash. And that's a super bummer. <laughs> so anytime you can find a way to cut those out, especially on a recurring thing that you're buying again and again every month, that's a really good, good thing that you can do. Also, Tony and I have talked about making a all soup cookbook. So if, yeah. if any of you guys want that, let us know. Did you already mention that a better than bouillon jar has 38 servings? Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a little tiny jar and it has 38 servings. So think about not only how much money you're going to save by not having to purchase those individual broth cans or cartons, but also all those cartons would be in the trash. Yep, totally. And the thing about that too, it's good to mention. So better than bouillon, I love it. It's my favorite type of type of bouillon. Um, and also a lot of people I know have looked at packages of bouillon cubes and been like, oh, this is not very healthy. Better than bouillon is a little bit more of a natural option. So if you're looking for the healthier option, that's a good one to go for. And they can be a little bit expensive. So you'll see a little better than bouillon tub and it might be five, six, seven dollars. And you're like, oh, I don't want to spend that on this little tub of something. But when you think about all of it, that's 38 boxes of soup. It is really financially makes a lot of sense. And if you're concerned with the ingredients, there are natural options. Uh, So if you just type in vegan bouillon online, you'll find a lot of different options and some are really clean and some are even without sodium. I personally don't use those because I like a little bit of saltiness in my food, but they exist. Yep, definitely. We can link some of our favorites in the show notes over at plantpoweredpodcast.com. And you can just click on this episode and we'll have the show notes and anything that we mention we'll include in there for you guys. And speaking of cartridges, Michelle, you make your own milk, right? Like not cartridges, cartons. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking at my printer right now thinking, oh, I need a cartridge. <laughs> but I mean cartons. Yeah, I mean, I've made my own milk. I love making my own milk. I don't do it nearly enough, but I want to more. And it's one of those things that when you're buying milk from the store, again, you're you're paying for packaging of mostly water. And if instead you make your own milk, you just have to buy some nuts. You can buy them in bulk, almonds, cashews, hazelnuts, whatever your type of favorite type of nuts are to make milk. And then all you need to do to make milk is get your high-powered blender, put in some nuts and water, and then for flavoring, if you want, you can add a little vanilla extract. You can add some sweetener, either like sugar or dates or maple syrup, whatever you want, and then blend it up. Now you're going to have pulp in that. You're going to have, if you blend it up, it's going to be a little bit thick and grainy and you don't want that. So you also need, which you just only have to buy one time for your whole life, is a nut milk bag. Great investment. I love it. I've had mine for like 10 years. And what you do is you get a big bowl, you put the nut milk bag in it, and then you pour everything you just blended. So it's like the kind of grainy milk in there and squeeze it. It's so, so satisfying. Squeeze out all the liquid and you'll have the pulp will be pulled out. So then you'll have a beautiful creamy milk. You can put that in a reusable glass jar 
and then just store that in the fridge for maybe three days, um, three, four days, and you've got milk. And you can also do different ingredients to suit your liking. So you can add vanilla if you are used to drinking vanilla soy milk, or you can add a little bit of sugar if you like a sweeter milk. I know that the first time I tried it, it just tasted so bland in comparison because it's really just two ingredients. Uh, And so now I know what I like in my milk to make it more enjoyable. Yep. The other thing that I have not tried before, but our friend Colleen Patrick Goudreau, who has been on the podcast before, she did an episode on zero waste living and she makes her own soy milk and you need a special soy milk maker for that, but you just buy soybeans and out of it, you make milk. And soy milk is my favorite type of milk. I think it tastes the creamiest, the best. I just love soy milk. And so one day, maybe I would love to invest in that but it does take a little bit more time. I mean, the beauty of nut milk is you're in and out done in five to 10 minutes and you have milk in your fridge. It takes no time at all. You blend, you strain it, you put it in a jar, done. So that's really beautiful. I think it's actually less. I mean, I've only seen Colleen do it. I've never done it myself, but it, it looks to be even less because it's all in a machine that does it for you. You just put plop the stuff in there and then you have set it and forget it because it has to cook the soybeans, I think. So it it takes more time, but less effort maybe. I wanted to give a tip, but it it reminded me of the fact I don't have a nut milk bag. And what I've done to get around that in recipes is if you have reusable produce bags, you can use those because, well, I guess it depends on what kind, but I have mesh, mesh reusable produce bags and those work just fine. Oh, fascinating. I love that. I have one other tip too. If you do make a lot of smoothies, here's something that I use to reduce my waste. Even if I haven't made my own nut milk, I I drink a smoothie almost every morning and usually I would add plant-based milk. But in order to cut down on using the milk that I bought from the store in my fridge, I will instead add water and some nuts. So I'll add either some almonds or some cashews or a soft nut, especially if you don't have a super high-powered blender, go with a softer nut like cashews. Um, You can even add oats and oats plus water blended will be creamy like milk. And since you're drinking a smoothie anyway, and there's no need to really get that super smooth milky consistency because it'll just blend up into a thick smoothie anyway. It's really easy to just add water and a little handful of nuts to your morning smoothie and cut back on your usage of packaged milk. I was wondering in your experience of making your own nut milks for a long time, have you ever done it without a high-powered blender? Could you use a food processor if someone listening doesn't have high-powered blender or could could you soak the nuts first? Yes. So I wouldn't recommend a food processor, but I I would recommend if you have a just any type of blender, just soak your nuts first. That'll make them softer so your blender has an easier time with them and then blend them a little bit longer. So it might take it might take longer to blend them. You won't get I mean you'll still get milk even if you don't soak them and you just blend nuts up in your blender. But the problem is that you'll have like slightly bigger chunks of the nut left over. So you're going to strain that out anyway. So you're going to squeeze that really well to try and get as much of the milk and cream out of there as possible. But with a high power blender, you just like completely dissolve the nut. So you get every like bit of that milky goodness out. But yeah, you can totally, if you soak the nut and blend it for longer, you could do it in any type of blender for sure. And then another, uh, another question that always gets asked is what to do with the fiber. Cause like nuts aren't cheap either. And if you have all of this leftover pulp, what are you going to do with it? And 
you can either add that into smoothies in the morning for just like a, some added fiber. You can make like muffins and add it in. You can add it into just other recipes like that. But I usually, I stick it in and smoothies. That's my go-to. Or you can give it to your partner who will eat anything. So, uh, I give oh mine gosh. to Paul and he will put it in his salad or his pasta or whatever. He's he's just so flexible about his food. I feel like you're going to make a lot of our listeners envious, even me. But like <laughs> so many people listening to this podcast are like, my, pa- my partner won't even try my vegan food dish. And Tony, <laughs> Paul's like, I'll eat your leftover pulp from your homemade nut milk. <laughs> it's funny because... He will eat anything that's healthy like that. But if I made a really beautiful, delicious, decadent mac and cheese, he won't taste it because he eats mostly whole foods, plant-based diet. And so, yes, it's fun when I'm giving him my walnut pulp, but not when I want to eat something like a pot pie or mashed potatoes and gravy or something really comforting. Tony comes over to my, well, when before pandemic times, when Tony would come over to my house, she'd be like, Michelle, can I just have a piece of this white bread toast? Uh, Yes. (laughs) Because like they don't usually have that in their home. And I'm a little bit of envious of you, Tony, because I'd rather just like not have the unhealthy stuff in my home. My husband skews the other way. He wants to have like those things that like always sourdough bread and if possible chips Mm. and other stuff. And I'm like, I don't want that stuff. Otherwise I'll end up eating it and not even pay attention. (laughs) Um, But yes, balance is key. Okay, next, moving on. Number six. Tony, cooking from scratch. Cooking from scratch. Actually, yesterday I just made this really beautiful, elaborate meal and everything was from bulk uh, that I had purchased like months ago, so pre-pandemic. And I made beans and rice, garlic rice, and I made my own tortillas with cornmeal. And I just used produce from my garden and it made me feel like, wow, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty well on my eco consciousness right now because I used such little, I I ended up with such little waste and that made me feel really good. So cooking from scratch is not only a great way to save money. I feel obligated to say that because it's so ingrained in my brain, but Also, I, when I purchased those things, I used my reusable bags. I just didn't create a lot of waste. (laughs) I am envious of how satisfying I'm just imagining that would feel to have a a meal that I know created no extra, well, very, very little extra waste to the extent that I could control. I'm working towards that, but most of my meals still involves some kind of waste somewhere. So I'm so excited to be at a point where those are how most of my meals are. It's what I feel like as soon as the pandemic is over and I have a little bit more control of going to the grocery store where I just go to the grocery store so infrequently right now. That is going to be like my mission. (laughs) Yeah. And I know that not everyone has the time to garden, but right now I'm not really leaving my house and I used to travel nearly every week for work. So it's been a big change and to channel some of my frustration and my energy, I started a garden. It started as just a few plants, but has since become an obsession. And it has been really rewarding. Not only am I growing plants from 
seeds and seedlings. I'm also growing food from my scraps, which we talked a little bit about earlier. I just transplanted my onions and celery that I grew from a cup on my windowsill. And those things make me extra satisfied. So just to explain a little bit more about what that is, let's say you get a head of lettuce and from the grocery store. You slice off the lettuce that you're going to eat, but you leave the like stem part that holds it all together, right? You leave that and then you put that in a half an inch or an inch of water in your windowsill or whatever. And lettuce will start regrowing out of that. It's crazy. In a few days and then a few weeks, you see like almost like a new head of lettuce start growing. And I've seen tons of these graphics and people posting this on the internet. And so many people I've talked to lately have been trying that, which is so cool. But what I didn't realize is that you can then take that new growing produce and plant it in the ground, which is what Tony's trying to do now. Yes, I'll keep you all posted. It's still a work in progress, but I did have success growing things on my windowsill. So I did grow celery and I did grow green onions. Yeah. Successfully. Okay. But it stinks, FYI. In what way? You have to change the water out every day or else it smells like the worst, most foul, awful, disgusting thing ever. Okay. So be consistent. Be consistent. Don't let it get stinky. Okay. Just to recap where we are so far. Number one, eat lower on the food chain. Number two, reduce single-use plastic. Number three, shop in bulk. Number four, use bouillon instead of packaged broth. Number five, make your own nut milk. Number six, cook from scratch. And now number seven, reduce food waste. One of the great ways to do that is growing your own food. That really helps reduce it. But we're talking things like, well, of course, the number one thing that is a huge contributor to food waste is people just buy too much food, don't store it properly, don't end up eating it. And the food they bought and brought home from the grocery store goes directly in the trash. I know this is something that I struggled with for so long when I would buy produce. I wouldn't use it. It would go bad in the fridge and I'd throw throw it away. And eventually there was a period of my life where I just stopped buying fresh produce because I was like, I can't, I just, I'm not using it. I'm throwing away so much food. It's awful. But there's a lot of tips out there for how to properly store your produce. Like I didn't, I didn't even know I should be keeping like citrus, things like lemons and limes. I used to keep that in the fridge. It lasts way longer. Avocados, you know, there's only like a five minute period where they're actually ripe and able to be eaten before they then start going bad. So at that moment of ripeness, if you're not going to eat them, pop them in the fridge and they'll stay great for days, even like a week plus. Herbs. Yeah, herbs. If you put herbs in a little glass of water and then keep them in the fridge or even on the countertop, they'll stay fresh and perky. And even if they start getting kind of wilty, you can then put them in water and they perk back up. There's all these different tips and tricks about how to properly store your food to make it last way longer. And even things like if you have something that's going to go bad and you're just not going to eat it and the fridge can't save it, freeze it. Find a way to freeze it. Those tomatoes, freeze them. You can then use them in a tomato sauce or a soup. Any, pretty much any any produce except for maybe lettuce. Well, I guess a lot of things can't be frozen. But bananas, if they start going bad, if they're totally brown, put them in banana bread and use them up before the round and they're spotty and as you, you don't want to eat them. Just freeze them and they're great in banana ice cream or smoothies. There are a lot of other foolproof options like soups 
everything but the kitchen sink soups where you, whatever is about to expire in your refrigerator, you toss it into your soup and it's going to be covered with delicious seasonings anyway that it doesn't matter. Yeah, definitely. And then there's other stuff. If you're using bananas, avocados, anything that has a peel and you're just throwing that stuff away, it it seems like there's not a better option. If you have a compost in your city and you just have a compost bin you can bring out to the side of the road, awesome. If you want to start your own compost, props to you. That's super amazing. Then you don't even have to worry about all this waste. It's all getting used up. But I've even seen people create like recipes with banana peels and all sorts of cool, innovative things. Or people just kind of taking things and burying them in their yards. So trying to get creative about how you can just do the best you can to reduce waste is great. Michelle wants to start a compost. Ever since moving into a home where I now have a yard and a place where I can easily put a compost. And I used also used to have a bunny who would eat all of my scraps. And bunny passed away a few years ago. And so I've just been like, uh, throwing these things in the garbage and just seeing like my organic produce scraps being thrown away hurts my soul. I want them to just go into a compost, but we don't have a compost citywide in Sacramento that picks it up. So I really want to start one. Although I'm petrified of bugs and spiders and it's nasty and smelly and you open it and a million flies come out. Like it is not a pretty business composting. Flies are the cutest things that live in there that (laughs) I've opened. Actually, I was house sitting for Colleen and she has a compost and I just remember being so horrified looking in there. Do not look in the compost bin. That's what I learned. Uh, Yeah. And I mean, you need worms for compost. That's the whole thing about compost. So of course, there's like worms all up in there. I just, I really am going to try and acclimate myself to the idea concept and then start doing it. And I also like I have a son now and I want him to understand growing food. And I want him to have his hands in here's how to compost. And here's how I just want to like set good examples for him. And so I'm hoping that will inspire me to just like get over my EBGBs and get into it. There's someone who I who I encourage you follow if you are thinking about composting, especially if you have kids and want to be giving them great habits growing up. Her name is Megan and her Instagram is Meg Unprocessed. I love watching her. She'll her her son will go out and like bring the food to the compost bin and like try and twirl it around. And he just, if you're exposed to that as you're growing up and it's just the norm, it no longer it like you never get to the point where you're like, oh, there's a fly flying at me. I've only been indoors in my pristine environment and I could never see bugs around me. Just the fact that we're to that point as in as human beings is quite sad. And I hope we raise a generation coming after us that is willing to put our hands in the in the dirt and grow food and compost and and do all of these things because that is creating a better world for sure. All right, reusable paper towels <laughs> and and sponges and Michelle TP. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but okay, let's go with reusable paper towels. I in my house don't buy paper towels or paper napkins because we don't we don't need them so we have cloth napkins and we use like dish towels to dry our hands or to wipe something down and that has worked really well for our family it's a huge adjustment for my husband and he I think would prefer to do something different to use paper towels because they're more convenient and he thinks that they're cleaner but 
I don't reuse my teepee. Michelle, do you want to jump into that one? First, I want to talk a little more about paper towels. So Tony, you've been doing this for a long while and I've always thought, good for you. You're crazy. I'm using my paper towels because I just... I. I'm so messy and so easy. You just wipe something up and throw it in the trash. And I just, in my head, I was like, it's just paper. Like, it's just going to biodegrade anyway. Not really a big deal in the scheme of things. But then the pandemic hit. And then my husband and I didn't go to the store for months. And (laughs) and even as we are going to the store, like, we still, like, it just was many, many, many months before we even bought, had to buy anything. And we never repurchased paper towels. So now I have no paper towels in my house. And instead, I went online and I ordered something called the Unpaper Towel. By I think the store is called Marley's Monsters. I'm not sure. But it's an uh, eco zero waste shop online. And they have something called the Unpaper Towels. And they are cloths. But it's not just like kitchen cloths you keep in a drawer. You actually roll them up onto a paper towel holder. Functions in the exact same way. And I already had a drawer full of cloths that I would use to sort of like wipe up and clean up surfaces and whatnot. And then I would do a load of laundry just for those every however often. So I have a not full laundry machine that I can be adding more kitchen towels into easily. And I was just like, okay, it's time. Um, And I didn't actually in my head think I'm never going to buy paper towels again. We just didn't have any for a period. Started using those, love them, love, love, love them. It's so easy. And again, I just kind of happened into not having paper towels and then it got me into the habit of not using them. And now I'm just like, okay, why go back? That'd be so silly. So we're in a pandemic and I think everyone's thinking, okay, I'm going to just buy reused paper towels so I don't have to keep buying them from a store. And so they're out of most of them. Mine are like blue and they have ones with lemons on them. They have really cute different... That's the other thing. Like If you buy reuse and paper towels, they're way cute. But when I was on that shop buying my reusable towels, I saw that they also had in the same format, reusable toilet paper. And in my head, I'm just coming in this pandemic thing where everyone's freaking out that they're going to run out of toilet paper and buying all the toilet paper and all the toilet paper is gone in every single store and whatever. And I was like, dude, first of all, I didn't really understand because I'm like, worst comes to worst, you just use a cloth. No big deal. Also, I have a baby and I'm cloth diapering. So I'm just realizing all of this stuff can be washed really easily and reused forever. We have 25 cloth diapers that will last for two years for our baby rather than 7,000 disposable diapers. And we use like cloths for instead of wet wipes. So we don't have to create all that waste. And it's so easy, clean, just a beautiful system. And so it made me realize like as adults, we could be using this too. So I did buy some little cloths that could potentially be used for toilet paper. And if we, when we run out of toilet paper, if we have a period in between where we don't actively buy more, we could try out the system for a short period and see if it works out for us. (laughs) Okay, just really quickly. Do you then just keep this like poopy towel bucket next to your toilet or... Okay, so what I was thinking is using them for number ones and not number twos. Because number twos, that's really nasty. But if you're just peeing and you just wipe up and throw them in a little bin that's closed, like one of those open closed little bins, then it's not really a big deal. Also, hey, everybody, if you're listening to this, Michelle and I feel very comfortable about talking about number twos. So you can like (laughs) skip 15 seconds or something. We have one friend, we were on a trip with her and we were talking about number twos and she was just like, oh, I do not feel comfortable with this. And we're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. We we forgot that (laughs) other people 
don't like talking about number twos. Yes, this is a very uncensored show. But okay, also, I'll just give you a little bit of perspective with cloth diapering because those I do deal with lots of number twos. And what you do is you get what's called a diaper sprayer, which is kind of like a bidet in a bathroom. So a lot of people use bidets anyway. It's a very way to be clean um, and also could be more eco-friendly. But it's this little metal sprayer that you have right next to your that's attached to your toilet and you just take the diaper and spray. It's like a high pressure water spray. You spray off the number two from the diaper into the toilet and then you put it in the bin. I'm actually looking at that because I typed in bidet as soon as we started talking about this on Amazon and I see handheld bidet toilet sprayer, baby cloth diaper sprayer. Yeah. So I was thinking if you were to use toilet paper reusable, which honestly, I think that's like the smallest little impact. Like you can just use your toilet paper if this grosses you out. It's okay, people. (laughs) But if you wanted to, you could either get one of those sprayers and just like spray it off the cloth into the toilet. Or I'm just thinking about this is actually grossing me out to begin with. So (laughs) I would say use it for number ones, not for number twos, if you're going to go there. (laughs) We use a toilet paper called Who Gives a Crap? And it is made from bamboo, I believe. And they donate 50% of their profits to help build sanitation systems in developing countries. And that makes me feel good. That is so cool. I love that. I'm curious because also when I... So my husband previously, well, yes, still buys the toilet paper in the family because he is all about like floofy, double plus, Charmin Ultra Soft. He wants He wants the best quality toilet paper for his behind. If I were to go, I would be like getting the bamboo recycled, used 10 times before <laughs> toilet paper. You bring those home and it literally feels like cardboard, <laughs> rubbing cardboard on you. Like it's the worst <laughs> once you've been used to like Charmin. But yeah, Tony, do you have tips on like, on what, yeah, high, high, higher quality? I actually appreciate that about your house because I used to, before I became more eco-conscious. I used to buy Charmin Ultra Soft. One, it's really expensive. It's the most expensive toilet paper. And then uh, I moved over to Kirkland, which is the Costco brand, before we were using the Who Gives a Crap. And now I like the Who Gives a Crap. But every time I go to your house, it is like pure comfort and joy. (laughs) You're going to save all your poops for my house. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I'm going to wait like five more months when I see you. Yeah. (laughs) Better stop eating vegan so you can get real stopped up. Yes. (laughs) Okay. The opposite of gross down. Talk about soap. So number nine. (laughs) Soap, shampoo, dish soap, even household cleaning products. This is something that I made the switch a few years ago. It's a one-time easy switch. You just swap what you're buying going forward and then you're way more eco-friendly. So I used to buy soap like at my sinks, I would have soap that came in plastic um, dispensers. So like liquid soap and plastic, never buy those anymore. I bought glass soap dispenser bottles that are I'll have forever. And instead you could either go to a reuse store and just have soap pumped right in them, but I'm not that fancy. So I buy lower waste, big packages of soap refills. 
um, which they have different stores. Like I, sh- I get mine currently at something called The Grove. I think it's grove.co. I'll, I'll link it in our show notes. But you can re, you can, it just reduces the amount of plastic for the soap you're using dramatically. Same thing for dishwashing soap, same thing for that. And for soap that you're using on your body. So if you use body wash that comes in a plastic container that you're throwing away every couple months, no need. You don't need to do that. Just quit buying those and instead buy a bar of soap. A bar of soap is packaged in maybe paper and it has no waste almost and it works just as well. You just kind of have to shift what you're used to doing in the shower and it's you're saving, you're preventing a lot of waste. Yeah, the bar soap thing, I used to use bar soaps uh, when, I'm sorry, not for the shower, but for my sinks because I thought it was more eco-friendly. But then not everyone washes their hands really good. And I thought sometimes on my white bar of soap, I would see like dirt still. And it made me a little bit grossed out. So I went to glass bottles and I go to the one of the stores that Michelle mentioned for fancy people. Only because it was right next to my house. I haven't gone there since we moved. But we used to have a zero waste shop near our home. And I would walk there with my empty containers and fill up my shampoo, my body wash, our house cleaners. And uh, basically, they weigh your container beforehand and then fill it up for you. And so you don't have to use you don't have to buy new and use a, a new container, which I really appreciated. But now what I do is, and uh, I don't know, you you all can actually don't tell me. I was going to say, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, but don't don't, don't tell me I'm wrong. Uh, tell me and then yeah, I'll tell, tell, tell Michelle. <laughs> tell Michelle. People tell me I'm wrong every day. So spare me. But the way I'm justifying this is there's this store called Grocery Outlet near our house. And they sell what wasn't able to be sold at big stores. And there's also store, there are also stores like Marshalls and Ross. You can get really high-end products there in like big giant containers. So if you're out of shampoo, you can get a big giant container there. And it's usually on clearance for like $2. And it could be a Alba or some other natural, vegan, cruelty-free brand for $2 because they tried selling it at the main store and it didn't work. Then they sold it at Marshall's and it didn't work. So then they put it on clearance for $2. And I that's where we buy a lot of our deodorants and things like that because they weren't able to sell them in other places. And they're like, this is their last chance before their waste. And, uh, and so we rescue them for $2. Cool. That's a good thought. I also started using, gosh, I feel like almost 10 years ago, it was a long time ago, solid shampoo. And uh, there's a whole lot of options. We're actually in the process of creating a solid shampoo guide on World of Vegan. It'll be up by the time this podcast goes up. But they're shampoo bars. I get mine usually from Lush, but there's a whole lot of different brands out there that make them. And it eliminates waste completely from your shampoo. So even like re- having to refill shampoo bottles, whatever, um, if you just use solid shampoo, it's again, just taking out the water from the situation. So you don't need plastic and preservatives to house it. You just rub the bar on your hair, like you would soap a bar of soap on your body and it suds up. It cleans your hair beautifully. Again, I've been using it for like a decade and absolutely love the experience. They also have conditioner bars, which 
I haven't found one that I love yet. So I still use bottled conditioner, but that's something I'm going to be looking for. And um, yeah, there's just so many options. I highly recommend. So Tony mentioned the zero waste shop that she lived right next door to. But there's also zero waste shops online. One of them that I love is called Zafiro. And the other one that we mentioned earlier, Marley's Monsters, where they had the unpaper towels. We'll link a bunch of them in the show notes. But it's a great place to go and see some ideas of things you can be easily swapping in your home. Place an order. It gets shipped to your doorstep, usually in very eco-friendly packaging. And uh, it feels so good to just take out the plastic and replace it with things that will last longer that you can either compost, recycle, or just keep forever. And you'll see a lot more ideas than what we're talking about here on those shops. Tony, I thought of something that that I wanted to mention earlier that we forgot about composting. And that is what your solution was without having a compost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> can you please tell? Okay, well, yes. I won't name names of places. Okay. Now we do what is controversial and we pour it in our yard waste. And Uh-oh. I feel like that's... Careful about that, people. I know. Don't probably don't do that because it may not be legal in your area. I, I've i gone back and forth and we're pretty selective about what we add in there. Anyway, what Michelle is referring to is that there used to be a grocery store near our house and we would walk there and pour our compost into their compost bin. And I'm sure they would have welcomed it, but we were always so afraid that we just kind of like run in really quickly and toss it and then leave. I think it is brilliant. Compost is actually a, a valuable resource. It's not easy to come by always, especially high quality compost that comes from produce and stuff. So you're kind of doing them a favor. If you have a place near you that is composting or even a neighbor who has a compost building, someone else or another entity that's composting and you can donate your compost to them. That's how I would like to think of it. That is a creative way to do it, to get around not having compost of your own. Okay, sorry for that little backtrack. Okay, we finally have reached number 10. I feel like you know us a little bit better now. You know the weird things that we do and that we talk about number twos. So I hope you've been enjoying this episode. We're on our final one, which is shop secondhand. If you've listened to our podcast, we are big advocates of buying reused if you need to buy something. And I think that this is relevant in pretty much, I mean, in most places of of my life, Um, shopping for a home, shopping for a car, shopping for clothing. I have even bought my curling irons and all kinds of things used and recommend that. I agree. Also, Tony has inspired me a ton on this front. Tony would come over to my house to work pre-pandemic and she would bring like something that she got at Goodwill or a or a secondhand shop. It could be onesies for my baby or it could be picture frames for an event we're doing, or it could be plates for a photo shoot that we're going to, that we're going to use. And I just felt so inspired to be like, yeah, I got this for like 10 cents. These onesies were 10 cents each or like this plate was like 50 cents. (laughs) I'm just, my mind is blown every time. And then I've also started shopping at a lot of online stores. We've talked about these before, but places like thread up where you can both donate your unwanted clothes and also buy really great quality clothes at a great discount and just gets sent to your door. 
so many great things with buying secondhand. And then I also can admit, not admit, but (laughs) I feel like I should mention this just because we talk about number twos in this episode. But if you have kids and you're cloth diapering, you can even get your cloth diapers secondhand. And that sounds gross, but guys, everything's washed, sanitized. You can wash it five times if you want. It's like brand new and it can be given an entire second life. So even things that you might be initially a little squeamish about, just think about it rationally and think, can I get this completely clean? If you can, then try and buy it secondhand. We're not talking about mattresses. We're talking about everything but mattresses. (laughs) People are also happy to give away their stuff to friends. I know that pre-pandemic, we were at my house regularly having stuff swaps or clothing swaps where my mostly my girlfriends would come over and bring their unwanted clothing. Sometimes it was specific. It was like dresses only or summer clothing. And we would all bring what we didn't want that has been sitting in our closets for years. And then we would swap it. I would have different areas where people could try on clothing and then you could just take it for free. What someone else didn't want that has been sitting in their closet and give it a new life. So stuff like that. And then also I see on Facebook or I hear from my family members, if they do have children, if they've decided to not have any more kids, they have all this baby stuff they don't want. And that's how a lot of my family goes, saves money is that they just get someone else's hand-me-downs. Yeah, Tony's best friend gave me a lot of her daughter's clothes for my son. And maternity clothes. 90% of anything that I that I got from maternity and my baby stuff has come from a previous previous owner, either just Thanks, gifted, Candace. handed down. Yeah, thank you, Candace. That's great. And kind of on, on that same note from a, just the other perspective is just don't buy what you don't need. We're in such a consumer culture. We don't need... 5,000 t-shirts. We don't like, we don't need as much as we buy. I think at any, almost anyone on planet earth right now has more than what we need. (laughs) I think a great example of that is in clothing. I love clothing. I appreciate good quality clothing. And before what I used to do was go to places like Forever 21 or H&M, which, which are fine, whatever. But And then the clothing wouldn't last for very long. So if you're not interested in spending the time looking for used stuff, only buying a few things. So instead of having 10 pairs of pants in two years from Forever 21, I've upgraded to having, I have two pairs of jeans and one pair of shorts uh, that are higher end and will last me a long time. They don't fall apart in the washer and dryer. They don't lose color very fast. And it just makes it so that I'm not part of the fast fashion world. Yes, it's such a good point. And once you have that sort of mental shift, it is so much more satisfying to have more selective collection of high quality things that will la- made to last that you really love than having a huge busting closet full, can't even shove your clothes all in the drawer and everything's everywhere. You don't really want to wear anything because you don't love it all and half of it has holes in it. Like I've been there. And for any of you who haven't already read this book, I highly recommend the book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. It is kind of kooky, but helps you have a shifted mindset of making sure that you really love all of the things that you're bringing into your life and that you have 
a use and that they're they're serving you and they're not just taking up space providing clutter and ultimately thrown away or even even if you are going to be like donating all of your clothes that you've bought like a lot of times they're not in good enough condition to even be resold at that point because you bought clothes that aren't high quality so I really agree with Tony and it's something that's taken me a long time to get to the point of realizing that it's a better choice to invest the money where I can. And a big part of that too is if you are investing in higher quality things, you probably also have the ability to then be a little bit more choosy about what types of stores and companies you're buying for from. So you can look for companies that are more eco-conscious by nature and they're focused a little bit more on sustainability and creating a better world through their business. Their their business is not just based on profit and fast fashion, but rather creating more good in the world. And to be able to use our the amount of money that we're spending on our, our fashion or our or just things that we buy in our home and put that money voting for those companies can do a lot of good. And you can learn a lot more about this on our fashion episode. Yeah, totally. So that wraps up all 10 of our items. Ways to be more eco. I hope you have stuck this out with us and have taken some tip that you can apply in your own life. Please keep us posted. We love hearing from you. Yeah. And I just, I think the the biggest takeaway here is just be conscious. Think about the little changes and shifts you can make in your life. Reduce, reuse, recycle donate, get used, all of those things, invest in quality things that will last. We have a lot of resources for you. If you haven't already, I encourage you to check out our episode with Colleen Patrick Goudreau on Zero Waste. You can find that at plantpoweredpodcast.com. It was in season one. And then I also have an eco-vegan guide for anyone who's interested with some more things that you can be doing to be eco over at World of Vegan. I'll link that in the show notes. I also have a an article about five ways to cut your plastic in the kitchen. And I'll link that. Awesome. If you haven't already seen the documentary Cowspiracy, it is free to watch on Netflix. It's a great film. It talks a little bit more about the environment and how that's related to our food choices. There's also a book that we recommend from our friend Matthew Prescott. It's called Food is the Solution. We will link that as well. And it is part cookbook and part educational book about food and how it relates to environmental issues. So that's great as well. Cool. Well, thank you again. If you like this podcast and want to support it, you can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash plant powered people. And thank you again. We will see you in the next episode. Hope you're all doing great. We love you lots and talk to you later. Bye. Bye.